it's not about you. It is about the project and sell the project because that's what we're approving to be built in our city. Welcome to the Speak podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 73 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Arcaspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com. And we'll have a little more to talk about them later in the show. And this episode is also brought to you by the Business of Architecture Summit. And we'll have a little bit more to say about that in the show. And to, to start us off tonight, Cormac had a topic uh, about presentation that he wanted to uh, prove how badly we are at this. So. Cormac wanted oh, yeah. to prove it. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we need to prove it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that rushed intro was um, no. Experience it's late. Enough. That's why we got the rushed intro. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> all right. So one of the cool things about the uh, office I work at now, since it's employee owned, um, one of the things that they've tried to do is basically offer to everybody in the at the um, firm a way to, and see, this is kind of helping out the whole uh, topic here, a way to basically become a better employee. And one of the things that they were offering is um, executive coaching. And um, particularly for us is uh, presentation skills. Obviously, we all need some brushing up on presentation skills or uh, kind of a a way to kind of understand our I guess how well or how poorly we give presentations and what we can do to make them better. What was interesting is this particular um, executive coach, uh, he started talking about, you know, all these different people that he's um, coached. A lot of them have gone on to do Ted talks and, and, you know, he's, you know, gave a bunch of uh, examples through, you know, examples with Ted talks on, effective speaking and ineffective speaking and things like that. He said of all of the people that he's met and coached, some of the worst uh, presenters and public speakers are, want to throw out a guess? Architects. Architects. And, and why um, he's is that? He's like, for people who are so passionate about the work they do, they seem so... Uh, I guess for lack of a better term, there's no confidence in either themselves or it's not, he says that it's not that we don't lack confidence and passion in what we do. It's, we seem to lack confidence in how we present what we do or how we sell it or that storytelling. 
And it was it was pretty interesting because he went on and he was talking about you know presentations are a way for you to connect first connect with your audience, whether it be a new client or a review board or whatever. <clears throat> you know, trying to tell the story about what the project is, and um, and he says that's usually where most people start to fail <laughs> is when they walk into the room in that kind of initial presentation that we give to somebody. And it's not the, hi, my name is Cormac Phelan, and I'd like to talk to you today about the schematic design package for this particular building. Boring. Exactly. We already lost them anyway. In nine times out of ten, where would I typically be looking? Probably at the slideshow and not at the audience. And, you know, he was talking about different mannerisms on how we carry ourselves and kind of the fallacy of... And because I had brought this up, I'm like, well, you know, I've been told that I need to control my hands because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a hand speaker. I talk with my hands. My hands are always moving around like they're doing right now. And nobody can see them through the microphone. Thankfully. <laughs> but, but, you know, and he's just like, oh, you know, don't. He goes, here's the problem is that you're now focused on your, your hands and so you're losing track of what you're trying to say. And he was just like, he, he kind of pulled out a pen. And um, I'm going to encourage everybody to uh, pull out a pen at this point in time. Pull my pen out. Pull your pens out. <laughs> Got it. Now, if you're driving, don't do this. Yeah. If you're driving, don't do this. So you hold your pen out, maybe arm's length, half arm's length or whatever, and hold it in front of something else and look at the something else through the pen and the pen is blurry. You're focused on something else. Now focus on the pen. The thing that's behind the pen is blurry. Wow. He figured out how eyes work. No, what he's figured out is that there is human, you know, it is physically impossible for us to focus on one thing at a time, more than one thing at a time. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, more than one thing at a time. And, or in some cases, it's physically impossible <laughs> to focus on anything. Um, but in, in his, in his point was, is that if we're focused on our hands, then we're not focused on our presentation. And if we're focused, you know, if we're not focused on the presentation, it's going to be an, an ineffective, useless presentation. And it was kind of interesting. And he started, you know, kind of talking about it. And so what I'd like to do for this particular presentation is get you guys' opinions on what do you guys think about, you know, whether or not architects are good or bad presenters and what are some of the things that you've done in the past to either become a better presenter or, you know, done to completely avoid having to give presentations in general. Well, and since I know that, um, one of us is a planning commissioner and another person is very good at public speaking. I'd like to get some input on it from somebody who it was interesting is as we were going around and he was like, you know, it was a small group and he was asking us, you know, just our names and, you know, and, you know, just a little bit about us. Every single person, including me, uh, had basically said, Hi, I'm Cormac Phelan. I really don't like to give uh, speeches or presentations. You know, it was it was kind of like we. You know, he's like, well, well. So I guess I know where I stand here. 
So you've admitted defeat before you've even started. Exactly. Uh, so Cormac, first off, before we jump into that, um, we keep talking about him. Who was him, and what company was this? Okay, if you re- so recall. Harrison so we can Monarch. Everybody tell. Okay, so sorry. Harrison Monarch was the executive coach. He is the CEO of Guru Maker, and you can look him up at gurumaker.com. And uh, Harrison has uh, worked with and coached and has a team of uh, executive coaches that has basically worked with CEOs of major companies. Um, you know, he's both trained and learned from, you know, many CEOs. And uh, he gave a few examples and I won't bring their names up um, just because I don't think we've got the right to. <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, and he's, you know, he's talked about how, you know, you've had, you know, there's, there's CEOs out there that can, um, that you'd think that they're calm, cool, collective, and just kind of can deliver a speech, you know, and they practice and practice and practice and practice. And, um, what's interesting is how he works with our particular company is he'll come in and say, we're getting ready to do a major presentation for some new university work or we're going after and we're competing against other national um, firms and things like that. He'll work with us and basically we'll have already had developed our presentation that we're about to give to, you know, Troxel university. And so, yeah, I just created a new uh, university for you, Evan. Thank you. Um, and, um, so we're, you know, so he'll come in and we'll give this pre- you know, our entire presentation to him. And then, you know, he, basically as we're going through, he's like, well, you know, are you, what are you, what are the points are you trying to get across with this slide? You, you're showing this image. What is the, what is the story that you want to get, tell them from this image that you're on there? And they're like, well, you know, I'm not sure. He's like, well, then get rid of it. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you don't, you know, and, and he helps kind of streamline but what it also does is, you know, it helps teach us how to edit and basically streamline and recognize what's a good presentation, what's a, you know, what are some issues. You know, it's always, I always go back to that, my little adage of if a contractor has questions, you know, if you have, well, actually, sorry, let me start that over again. If you have questions, um, then the contractor is going to have questions. Well, it basically works the same way in um, presenting. If you have questions about the information that you're trying to get across to somebody, sure as hell, somebody will have, you know, bigger questions like, well, you know, why should we hire this guy if he's not sure of what it is that he's presenting? So it was, it was really interesting that, um, you know, to <clears throat> learn a lot about what's good and bad. And, you know, I, I, I say that, you know, I hate presenting and, and to be quite honest with you, if I'm, if I have to stand up in front of a bunch of people, I of course get absolutely nervous about it. But, um, you know, I, it, as long as I'm confident in the information that I'm giving, yeah, I, I can get through it. And, but there was, so what was pointed out though, is there's getting through it and getting through it effectively where, you know, they say, well, you know, that, um, 
I've got a decision to make between Cormac, Evan, and Neil. And Neil was the most persuasive. He gave, he uh, c- communicated to us with eye contact. He kind of, he was speaking directly to me. I felt like he was engaging me, and you know, and it wasn't just kind of talking at me, but talking to me, and really kind of sold that the information that he was trying to tell me. And so, I think between the three guys, I think I might go with uh, Neil. You know, and and that was kind of what they were trying to do is what is, you know, what is going to make your presentation, your sales pitch, essentially, um, more more impressive and stand out more than the next guy. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, when we're going after projects, we're competing against somebody else and we're selling ourselves and we're selling why this person wants to work with us, not just, you know, why is this person good right here in the 15 minutes that they're giving the presentation? But why do I want to spend the next 15 months, couple of years working with this person? And those were some of the interesting takeaways that I took. I've got a lot more, but I'd like to kind of open it up and talk about what you guys think. Yeah, I think that I've also had the pleasure of working with a presentation coach and she was very good at helping us simplify our message. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what it comes down to is the vocabulary that we use because in school oh, yeah. we speak with and we're trained to speak to an architectural jury and we go through four or five years of that. And then we work in an office where we speak with other architectural professionals and we all speak the same language because we've all been trained mm-hmm. in a similar setting. And so when we actually get in front of a client, we turn them off pretty quickly because they do not understand our language. You mean Arca speak? <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about this the very first episode. We we gave an example of Elizabeth Diller, uh, who was reading from a page, some Arca speak that she had written. And it was very well written. I mean, I don't want to put it down because it, oh, was, no, it was great. It was one of those very deep Uh, thoughts that she had basically put into the design of this project but at the same time just listening to it it doesn't just exactly flow out and 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 this is something that we practice with our kids here in our house is when they're reading our kids read every day and when they're reading and they get to a word they don't understand they actually have to stop reading and look it up and understand what that word means before they go on. Because if somebody does not understand a word that they hear, it basically shuts your brain off at that point, And you don't hear the rest of the words after it. And so if we're presenting and we use a word like juxtaposition or, you know, a word that people do not use in everyday vocabulary for the most part, uh, they're going to be like, okay, wait, what does that mean? And uh, how does that, you know, that, that, I don't even know if that's a real word or whatever. And now they're not hearing what you're saying anymore um and and you've turned them off and and that's when we really lose that contact i think that that vocabulary thing's huge and and schools don't prepare us for this there's no the the focus is all on the project and it it's secondarily on our presentation of our ideas if we don't present those well the project hopefully could still speak for itself but there's Right. Typically, not a critique right. of how we present it. Sometimes there is, um, and I. Th- but I think that that's a disservice that's done through five years of presenting. We get good at presenting to other architects, and we don't necessarily get good at presenting to 
uh, the general public who is our main client after we graduate. Exactly. And, you know, and he, he, uh, our, our coach basically did the same thing, whereas he, he said that, you know, so often, and he doesn't work with architects a lot. Um, but you know, he's, he notices that when he coaches architects, that that's the first thing that he notices is that we are gifted and talented people that, uh, really know our stuff. But we are too busy giving presentations to ourselves and, you know, trying to, I guess, prove to ourselves that we know all of this stuff that we completely lose our audience. Um, he brought up a great, um, c- great example from Jack Welch from the CEO of GE. And basically, Jack Welch, his main topic was talk simply. And he, you know, because he had asked him, he was like, "What was your, what are, um, what would you give as advice to other professionals as presentation, as you know, like your main presentation goal?" He'd say, "Talk simply." <clears throat> Excuse me. So he he would say he would basically say that you know he would have people who would come into his office and they'd just start basically you know engineer babbling and and stuff like that, and he would basically say, "You know what? You're done." Get out, come back and talk to me when you can just lay it down as quick and as simply as possible. Because, you know, when you sit there and you talk, you know, basically when we're presenting in our ARCA speak, we are, as you said, you know, wasting the time, not only wasting their time because they, we've lost them. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, um, was I, am I going to give it to the guy who started talking about juxtaposition in the interstitial spaces of this and that and the other? He goes, and, you know, because as he was talking about it, I, I started to write down like additional words, you know, like words that I may or may not have like known. And so that right there alone disengaged me from my con- the conversation. And uh, and I thought it was was interesting that, you know, here's a multi-billion dollar company. And the CEO, you know, uh, he gave, he showed a couple of um, clips of Jack Welch giving presentations and talks and stuff. And it was just simple talk. It wasn't unintelligible talk or anything like that. It was just, it was just really simple, straight to the point. Um, You know, he basically kind of outlined, you know, what it was that he was trying to get, get across to you and basically made those points and reinforced those points as he talked. Um, you know, what was in, what was another very, very interesting thing is he's like, what I don't understand about architects is they'll go into a presentation and say it's a presentation for, um, you know, we've already got the job, but we're given a presentation for something else. He goes, you guys go in and you, you're interviewing again. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, you know, you're, he goes, you know, you always go in there and you like give all of these, um, you know, you give a presentation on all of the things that you've failed to, you know, you present like, okay, so here's a scheme right here and we've done this and that, and it really didn't work out very well because it didn't address this, 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 and this. And then here's another scheme, and you know it, it started to address a little bit of the failings here, but then it failed here, 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 and here. 
And now here's one that really kind of addresses and, and picks up all of the failures of this one. And, you know, I think it really works out well. And he's like, why do you guys do that? Why do you save the best for last? He goes, people don't have time for this shit. They just need you to, like, say. We're showing our work. We were always taught to show our work, Cormac. Well, you know, and, and, and I was, and I told him, I was like, and that's how we're taught. We're taught to, you know, basically show that we've exhausted all of these avenues of approach to get to this point and that, you know, we've, you know, oh, well, we thought of that, you know, so we're telling them ahead of time that we've already thought about all of these different ideas to get to this one idea. He's like, well, then why don't you do it this way? Why don't you present the idea? And then let them ask you if you thought of this. And then you bring it up and say, oh, yeah, well, we tried that. And here's some of the reasons why. It becomes why. a conversation at that point. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then we've left yeah. the presentation and now we're engaging in, you know, dialogue and exchange of ideas. And, and now we're shredding and stuff. You know, now we're engaging them. And, and he's like, I've never understood why you guys do that. And I was like, you know, now that you're asking me. I'm not sure why we do it either. Well, and I think it takes somebody from the outside to ask that question and to observe the shortcomings of why connections don't happen, right? If it's very hard us working in it all the time to it's like that tunnel vision, right? And and it takes like I've talked about this before when when it's like you you're so into what you're working on and and you just have to push your chair back and say can you come over here and look at this? I need yeah. fresh eyes on this. And that is exactly what we need with our presentations as well, because we don't get that outside feedback as much as we should. And we don't really ask for it either. Oh, no, no. Because, you know, I mean, sure enough, as, you know, I go through this class and, you know, he's talking about, you know, why do we save the best for last? And why do we have to, you know, go through all these arduous processes? Then we have a presentation to a client that came into um, came into town this uh, past Friday, and what? Did, how did we present to him all of the process that le- led up to these ideas, and more of you know? So you know, we got so bogged down, it became such a long meeting. You know, it was seven hours long. There was no reason for a seven-hour meeting when we could have probably condensed it into at least half. And there was a lot of information and a lot of different parts and pieces of the project that we needed to discuss. But did we really honestly need to, you know, drag it out that long? Right. It does get long, and it's something that another thing that our presentations probably suffer from, which is boredom at that point. Yes. Well, hey, this sounds like a good... uh chance for a break here because I actually want to talk a little bit first off about our first sponsor, but then I want to get into a little bit about as a sitting planning commissioner, what I see from the other side and a lot of the things, um, mistakes I I see. Yeah. So anyway, our first sponsor for this episode is RCAT. Would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects for you, maybe even write specifications for you? How about if somebody did this all for you for free? RCAT has already done this for you. Search the RCAT libraries for these products and more free of charge and no registration required to download content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check them out at rcat.com today, and that's A-R-C-A-T.com. 
And thanks to RCAT for sponsoring ArcaSpeak. Got a quick little RCAT story. I actually saw somebody in the office uh, using RCAT, and I walked by, or I was, I was actually sitting there. They pulled up RCAT, and they said, I did this for you, man. <laughs> uh, <gotta love laughs> it. They listened to the podcast. Awesome. And they, it's awesome. They it were, works. They, they remembered the, the challenge, which was to give up uh, Google searching for, for product, and they, they went straight to RCAT, searched for it there, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. So something definitely worth giving a try if you guys are out there looking for products for your building, specifications, or you know details, anything uh, that has to do with your project. Check it out at rcat.com, and it pulls that information right up. It comes straight from the manufacturers. It's not like they're going out and digging it up um, and editing it. It's coming straight from the manufacturer, so you're getting their stuff. And uh, it's a great resource. So I really appreciate RCAT for sponsoring, but also, I mean, it's the reason that, that we like them so much is because they're offering a great resource to, to our profession. So check it out. Great. So as a planning commissioner... Everything you talked about earlier, I definitely see. As far as what you mentioned earlier, Cormac, about the slides, Mm -hmm. so often the slides that we see are essentially the same drawings that are in the packets we receive, right? I mean, that's, that's essentially all they do. And I know they're doing it to make things easy and fast, but here's the biggest problem. When you're doing your slides, you're looking at them from... 12 to 18 inches away. They're on your screen. Everything looks great. You can totally read it, right? Sure. Okay. (laughs) You're forgetting that I sit 20 feet away from where this slideshow is going to be shown up on a, on a screen. And regardless of how big it is, I can never see it. It just, you know, it's, it's difficult to see. So one thing I would recommend if you're doing a presentation in front of a commission or city council or your client perhaps, and they're going to be sitting across a room from 10 or 20 feet away. Look at your presentation from that distance. Can you read the text? Can you understand the drawing that is, that you're trying that is on this slide and go back to the very same question of that you mentioned earlier, what am I trying to show with this slide? If you're just trying to show context of the site, then make it very clear that that's all they need to know. Spend some time and edit your slides or edit your drawings so that you wipe away some of the irrelevant information and and not just take your site plan that you got from your civil engineer that has all this information that nobody cares about and you just throw it onto your slide. Okay, there it is. There's the slide. Um, Because what that says to me is you've spent no time to deal with communicating with me and I'm the one actually making the decision. So if I don't know what you're doing and if I, if I can see that you're not paying uh, a lot of attention and or care, then I become disinterested. And if I'm disinterested, that you're losing me. You're losing my vote. And so the other thing I'd say, too, is when you're giving these presentations and it's something we haven't really touched on tonight yet, but um, the thing that really drives uh, or that can really grab my attention and I've done this before and I've, I've, I've been, I've witnessed it before and I've witnessed the opposite too, which is being passionate about your presentation. If you're genuinely excited and passionate about what you're talking about, and you're not just getting up there and droning off. Yes, okay. Here's these elevations. Yeah, and then here's the plan one. And this is plan two. It's like, oh, shut the hell up. Move 
on. It's freaking nine o'clock at night. I don't want to be here any longer than I need to be. The you know point is be passionate, show the information that is important. You know, I as a commissioner, I've probably seen your elevations. Now, if there's something about them you need to show me that uh, you know you're you're meeting the um, you know the view corridor or you know you're you're meeting some criteria that the city that you're asking for, say you're asking for some sort of variance that you need, show me that information. Don't riddle me and just bore the hell out of me. And tell a story if you can. I mean, one of the most effective uh, presentations I've seen on the Planning Commission that to this day, even still, I remember is um, there was a, it's an old, there's an old uh, dairy farm in, in the town I live in. And it, it's no longer a dairy farm, but it's an historic site. And uh, a church bought it and they were going to build this giant 8,000 square foot uh, building there. And then uh, they decided to go back and, and change this. And they're going to build three smaller buildings. They're going to start smaller. And anyway, the, um, the most effective thing they'd done, I mean, some of the things they, they brought in, like a little four by five folded out handout of the history of the site and kind of how their project would tie into the history of this site. They brought us, since it was a milk um, uh, dairy uh, farm, they brought us uh, actual like little marketing uh, old style milk caps and gave them out. And they really pushed and told a story about what they were trying to do and how this fits in with the site, how they were going to use uh, the old materials from uh, the, the existing buildings to side their building with. And they really just, they told them, I mean, they're doing nothing like to start the project right now, their education um, classrooms were going to be nothing more than trailers, essentially. But they told the story about how they were going to detail the trailers, how they were going to um, create this like silo, which was a play area and turn it into, make it look like a little, you know, a little farm sort of, you know, touching in with the history, how they were going to create a little, um, one of the old buildings, they were actually going to turn it into like this little museum thing um, for the project that, that touches, that keeps the history. And so they were telling this story and it was just like, wow, this is great. I mean, what a fantastic project. And they were asking for something different than had already been approved. So uh, they really had to sell it. And they did, they did an effective job of doing that. And there wasn't a slide that showed up that, that wasn't up there telling a, a part of their story to get their project approved. And so um, I see so often people just getting up there and droning on, showing us, uh, you know, needless information or just generally not being very excited about the project. Now, I know sometimes it's late. It might be 10, 11 o'clock at night and you're getting up there. But have some have that that enthusiasm will really get you a long way, whether it's in front of a commission or a city council or just in front of your client. If you're excited about your project, they're going to be excited about the project. And that's your job. And that is your job. It's totally your job at that point is to get them on your side. And I agree with the storytelling because there's really not a better way to get somebody on your side than to have them somehow become part of that story or enable that story to become a reality for for the town or for the the area or the group that they represent. I mean, there's so many different layers that we have to deal with as architects 
when we're dealing with the public or our clients. But if you can help them become a piece of that, then of course they're going to be on your side. I mean, who wouldn't want that to happen? That is a connection at an emotional level that is so much better than just ticking off the boxes. Yes, we meet the zoning requirements. Yes, we meet the setback requirements. Yes, we meet the... And it's like, well, of course, you know, you have to do that. But at the same time, like, that is that type of information that is not going to win anybody over. I mean, that, that doesn't make a compelling argument or a compelling story. You've got to somehow personalize it and make it meaningful to them personally. That's that's super important part of what we do. And I agree back with what Cormac was saying earlier, too, about selling. I mean, um, I've heard people say that I don't believe design is selling. I don't believe architecture is selling. It's very much so. It totally is. I mean, you have to be persuasive in what you're trying to get done. Again, it is your job to get it done. And and you don't want to um, lead people down a path and represent something in the wrong way. You you want to do it in a way that they want to go along with, and you have to figure out the right way to lead them down that path. And so that's why those slides that back up what you're saying are so important, and they have to mean something. They can't just be up there for no reason. A funny little story. One time on the on the planning commission, uh, this architect is getting up and he presents this project. And, um, he goes through all of his slides and everything. And then you get to the last slide. And this is something that, uh, I'd recommend for anybody think about what that last slide is, because that is going to be most likely the thing that hangs up there on the screen for the rest of the debate that may be going on on the commissioner or city council. Right. I mean, it is, that's the last thing. And it, it always just hangs up there. It just sits there. And if it's, something that is not representative or say it's just like your last slide of your say last building elevation or something, it just sits there. And so think about what that last slide is. So this guy, you know, to his credit, he thought about what the last slide was going to be, but what was the biggest, most dominating thing on this last slide? You want to guess what it was? A cow. His name. No, this, this is not the uh, dairy farm project. It was a different project. His oh, name was the last, oh, I'm sorry, that, yeah, so this was, this was a, a different project, but his name was the, la- the biggest thing on the slide. And then like down at the bottom, very, very small was like the project name and the owner's, you know, the developer's name or something. But like his name was the biggest thing on the slide. And I'm like, really, dude? That's awesome. I'm, I, I was like, it I'm makes... ready to not vote for this project just because you're an asshole. I swear. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. That made did, he do, did he sorry. do a good job in present, presenting? No, no, he was so cocky. He was a dick. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Edit. Sorry. Um, no, he was a real jerk, actually. And so when he got to his last slide, I was like, actually not really surprised that, of what I saw because – uh, he was kind of a real condescending jerk. And, and I'd like uh, to close this with team me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but that was like his last slide and it stayed up there for the whole time. And it just kept irritating me. I was like, oh. lingering. Yeah. Lingering. Yeah. It very much lingered. It's like, I am the important thing here, <laughs> not the project. And it's all about me. And it was like, dude, it's not about you. I mean, 
it's about the project. And, and, and again, I, I'm looking at it from the eyes of being on the, on this case, the planning commission and, and, um, and approving or not approving a project. So, uh, the important thing here is not you. I mean, you are a local architect. You may be known in the area or something, but you know, you're not, uh, you know, Frank Geary or somebody else. You're not anybody famous per se. It's just, it, it's not about you. It is about the project and sell the project. Um, because that's, what's gonna, that's what we're approving to be built in our city. Yeah, it's interesting you say the you know this guy's known in the area and you know you were talking about the famous oh, he might architects. Be he wasn't that famous. Well, but I mean you know you were talking about you know the star architects and yeah. You know, I was alluding. It, to it's that. interesting um, because so you you wonder how they give presentations because one of the things that you know this uh, this coach was talking to us about is he was talking about. Um, you know, this earnestness of connecting, you know, when you're delivering your message, you know, you're trying to like, you know, have this message that you're, this story that you're telling resonate with everybody in the room. And I've seen a few Starkitect's presentations, both on project specific items and also, you know, like in general of like their body of work. And the ones that like really spoke to me were the ones who basically kind of pulled you into the story. You know, they were trying to have you be a part of, like, their journey as an architect, rather than them kind of expounding some, you know, infinite knowledge that they have that it's them and only them kind of thing. And um, I, I watched one in particular give a presentation for a memorial in D.C., and he came across so incredibly arrogant that it was just so off-putting to both the council and the audience that, you know, it's just like, well, this is the only, you know, solution, you know, so I don't know why you guys are thinking that there's anything but this solution right here. And you're just like, there's, there's a line between confidence and cockiness. Exactly. And in, in this particular project drug on for, you know, now going on a couple of years, to be quite honest with you. In fact, we talked about, um, this particular project in that particular presentation, probably in either our first or second episode three years ago. And huh. yeah, it just recently got approved. And so, you know, it's just interesting that, you know, this, the, that you brought, you, know, you bring up this storytelling. And that was one of the biggest points that this guy was trying to make to us is you're trying to tell a story. You are trying to resonate with the people that you're giving this story to. You are trying to make them a part of this story and why they can see both either, you know, their client or themselves within this building and what it's going to do to basically enrich their lives and stuff. And, well, and you have to know who that audience is too. Right. Right. right if right. you're, if you're telling them something that they're going to, snooze through i mean it right. you've got to do research you've got to find out what kind of questions they ask people there's there's so exactly. much you can do to find out who your audience is so that you can tailor that story and tailor that message to the exact people sitting in the room you know evan you when you mentioned doing your research about them i mean um again coming from the perspective of, of being a planning commissioner if you're giving a presentation and if you have the opportunity or you have the ability to do a little bit of research about who they are and it, and it may even be, you know, 
something beyond just an internet search, but talk to the planners, talk to the people at the city. Hey, what are the uh, what are the what are some of the planning commissioners or city council? What's the hot issues? What are their you know uh, their their things they care about? And talk to those things. Yeah, say, right? Look at the person and look say, at I know you're going to like this. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. How did you know? Because I know you, you know, that it's that talks volumes. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, if you in our case, me being an architect on the planning commission, if you come up there and you show us some garbage drawings or things that are just wrong or inconsistent when I'm looking at your plans, your plans don't match your elevations, weird stuff like that. uh, Guess who's going to call you out on it? You just see right through it. I see right through it. Yeah. And and I'm really shocked at the garbage sometimes that are, is given to us and all do cre- you know lots of credit to our planning staff here in in city I live in. They know this. And um there there's actually been one time where they struggled with this particular client uh for for a while to try and bring up their their drawings to a certain level and uh um but at some point in time they there was nothing they could do it, it's like the, we're, we're meeting the the standard of the bare minimum and um yeah go for it this this is what we are going to submit we're not going to do anything more and unbeknownst to me this was not said to me but i got the material i started going through it i was like this is crap and i called them out in the meeting now i wasn't trying to be um i i I was trying to be respectful but i but i i phrased it as if i'm looking at your drawings and i am a trained professional and i can't understand what's going on you have a problem because i guarantee you the other people on my commission they're not trained. They don't know what they're looking at. I mean, they they can't dive into it with my expertise. And if I'm struggling, then then you're not communicating your message. I, ultimately, that's the point. You have a message. The drawings, the presentation is trying to communicate that message. And if you're failing, you're you're not going to get the project approved. And actually, in this case, um, I did call them out and said, you know, I can't understand this stuff. And uh, the, I, I kind of saw this nod from the city planning department, like, yeah, you know, and to their credit, they came back uh, later. It was like maybe a year later or something, but they came back and the material they submitted was much better. They, I mean, it's, it, it was it's much easier to understand. So it does help. And they got their project approved, but they got denied the first time. So uh, it's critical to, to uh, know your audience and and know who's up there on the on the commission commission or uh, or the city council and know what their interests are you know go to the biggest thing I would suggest is go to a few meetings prior you know a lot of city council member a lot of city councils you can watch online so um, you know watch some of those get to know them and 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 know what their issues are and uh and I think that that'll be a big help. And one thing that could probably help you do some of that is, I think, uh, going to be our next sponsor. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the Business of Architecture Summit that's coming up in a couple of weeks. This is the last time that we're going to get to talk about this on the podcast. And I know there's a lot of architecture owners, architecture firm owners uh, who listen. And we think this would be something you might be interested in. So check this out. There is this year's Business of Architecture Summit. It is the event that Chicago architect Frank Heisman called the most profitable two days he spent in a long time. 
During these two days, you'll rack up 12 AIA learning units and hear from leading thinkers on how to run a sustainable, competitive practice. It's being held at the end of the month. That is October 29th and 30th online. And since the event is virtual, all sessions will be recorded and available for all participants. So if you can't be there in person online, you can watch it later as long as you've signed up beforehand. You have to sign up before the deadline. The seminar topics include how to productize your services and boost your project profit by 12% or more, and think like a developer, how to win more projects, improve the built environment, and have more fun with every project. So how do you find out more about this? Go to businessofarchitecture.com slash Archispeak to reserve your spot. And if you go to that link, we get credit for that, and that allows us to pay the bills here at Arcuspeak. So if you think that this seminar might be for you, please go to that link and sign up, and we really appreciate the business of architecture for sponsoring this show of Arcuspeak. All right, so something that I want to bring up, a very simple premise, is practice. Because something that I've talked a little bit about before this is a funny little quote from jerry seinfeld in one of his stand-up routines he says according to most studies people's number one fear is public speaking and number two is death (laughs) (laughs) death is number two (laughs) he says does that sound right this means to the average person if you go to a funeral you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy (laughs) (laughs) and and i that's that's all right how how many times have we seen that utter fear on the face of the speaker i mean it doesn't matter if you're in school if you're out of school if you've been practicing for 20 or 30 years if you don't do it enough i mean it is a scary thing and it doesn't mean it's a scary thing for everybody and it doesn't mean that it's it's easy for everybody i mean i remember hearing stories about actors who before they say action you know they're they're like throwing up in the bathroom because they're so nervous right and 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 it's the same thing with like live music you know the only reason those songs sound so effortless or the reason that the athlete is makes it look so easy is because they've done it so many times right and and my my favorite presenter has got to be steve jobs when he they there's case study after case study that shows how many times they work the message and and are constantly edit, editing and whittling that down to the exact thing that they want to say so that it is second nature when it actually comes out. And I know there's a lot of architects, and I know there's a lot of architects listening right now who say, I never need to practice. I'm better when I don't practice. And, mm-hmm. and that might be right for a few people, but I do definitely don't think that that's the majority. And I feel like this is probably one of the things that most people miss. I know students don't do this because, you know, quote unquote, you never have the time. It's the same thing in professional life. Uh, If you don't actually take the time to practice, it is not going to come out right the first time, most most likely. And you're going to, you know, you, you may not get that job. Yeah. It's a lot of work that you put into these things to not get the job too, right? Right. There is one thing that Neil was talking about, um, you know, in some of the presentations that are given to him. And uh, it was something that we had touched on in this class that, and he was, he was you were talking about editing the, the um, slides and making sure the text is right and that you can read it. And I kind of was like, no text. And, and that was actually, you know, one of the things that, you know, he brought up. He's like, 
Nine times out of ten, if you've got text on your slide, what have you done? You've lost your crowd because you're going to be looking up, trying to read the slide. They're going to be looking up, reading the slide, and no one's really listening to each other. Right. And so the conversation should really be had as the slides, if you've got slides, they're really just a prompt for the story. And, um, you know, he gave, uh, so as part of this class, we, before, um, he came in, we were supposed to put together a real quick five minute presentation. It could be on anything. And since I'm the new guy there, I really haven't given any presentations at the office. So I was like, well, you know, let me pick a project out of my, um, portfolio and let me go ahead and put that in. Um, and do a real quick presentation on that particular project. So I was, you know, throwing together some slides and stuff like that. And of course I'm throwing in text (laughs) and sure as, you know, sure as the day is long, here I go. I start the presentation and I look back at the slides and I start to read a slide more just to kind of like, at first I thought it was, I was going to use it as a prompt, um, and just let it, you know, then flow from there, you know, because here I am listening to all of the things. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know I've got some text in there, but I'm going to just breeze past it. Nope. Just because I was up there with a little bit of stage fright, you know, and it it just, I reverted back to let me use the slides as a crutch. Did a loud if, buzzer go off? <clears throat> oh, no, no. He, yeah, we, nobody, wrong? nobody gave, nobody could get through their presentation. You know, he oh, basically right? was like, I don't really want to hear the presentation. I actually want to see how you give the presentation. Okay. Um, and he goes, I could tell in the first two minutes exactly how the presentation is going to go just by whether or not you connect with us or whether or not you, you know, are trying to engage us or telling a story or you're using things as a crutch. And nine times out of 10, we were all giving, you know, using the crutch or I was using effective um, voice uh, my my inflection was you know loud enough and you know or, or was even tone and it was a good delivery vocally and you know I was you know doing eye contact but then <laughs> then he did notice he goes yeah you do use your hands an awful lot he goes and I'm not telling you to to not use them but I am trying to tell you to use them effectively you know and it's just like rather than kind of like pointing up at the at the slides and then kind of using my hand, I was like continuously pointing up at the slides as I'm talking. So everybody's more looking at the slides than listening to what I'm saying. And so it's just like, you got to, you're, you're not going to be able to control that, but what you're going to be able to do, or you're not going to be able to stop it, but you, you do need to learn how to control it and use your hand gestures correctly, you know, use them as emphasis or use them as something else. And he goes, that's just something as Evan, you know, just said practice, but you don't want your hands in your pockets either. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he said body language is huge. Body language is very huge. And he says it's folded. He goes, it is okay. You know, and, and it was actually funny because there was a guy in there who's like, you know, I usually like cross my arms and he goes, it usually people usually have, I come off as, you know, kind of like guarded and and standoffish. And so he gave a couple of different examples. So, you know, guys <laughs> clearly skilled at, you know, at coaching and presenting because he gave a couple of examples. He goes, there's this kind of, um, you know, giving a presentation with your arms crossed and he crossed his arms 
And then he goes, and then there's this one. And then he gave a different, you know, scenario. And, and one was, you know, kind of a little bit like earnest and, and kind of really almost inviting, you know, even though his arms were crossed. And then the other one was very foreboding and, and standoffish. And, you know, and it was just like, wow, you know, it literally, you can tell the difference in just the way that your, um, you know, your, your posture and your, um, the way that you kind of deliver it. And, and even like, you know, the tone of your voice. So you got your arms crossed, but you know, maybe the tone of your voice is just a little bit different, a little bit softer to, you know, kind of like, you know, tell them that you're almost giving them a hug rather than, you know, and it was, it was pretty amazing how we, and and so I've been actively watching other people as they give presentations, either to pick up cues or just see if there's anything that I notice as a bad habit, I guess you can call it. And um, um, it's interesting that there's a, a confidence in knowledge that usually helps a lot of us architects get over the presentation kind of blunders that some of us do. And then there's the, yeah, we're confident in our information, but we're not very confident in, you know, just our, our body mannerisms, or we just don't have, you know, feel very um, confident in ourselves. And so then we kind of revert to more of this kind of like guarded, presentation where we're, you know, more, we think, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, I gave the example of it's the way that men, um, uh, how most men think that they can't dance because everybody's staring at them and judging them kind of thing. And that's a way that, you know, a lot of architects or, or people in our profession give this, these presentations, like they're looking at me, they're judging me, you know, they're, 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 you know, ooh, oh, somebody just wrote something down and, and, and what does that mean? You know, do, do they not like me? Did they just write down, boy, this guy is a really bad presenter, you know? So, do they make so sketches like you do in meetings? Well, that's proof right there that they're not engaging the client. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I, something that I've thought about with the whole word debate on the slides, I, I definitely agree. There's kind of two extremes to that. There's the side where We've all been in presentations. I mean, back to school night. This is the one of the worst offenders, right? Which is like there's 300 words on the slide, and they're all in Comic Sans, and they're all in six-point font because they all had to squeeze onto there. And right. and then the teacher just reads the whole thing, right? I right. could have done that on my own. And then there's, there's the other extreme, which is no words uh, because we don't want our, our people we're presenting to to read the slides. I kind of find that there is actually a happy medium here, and it it's few words on the slide, but they can be a lifesaver uh, yeah. for yeah. you as the presenter to remember what to talk about. And I don't think that that's bad at all. I mean, if you are now supposed to talk about energy or sustainability, that can be a word on a slide that just cues you, like, this is what's right. next. Because we do not remember all of the slides in the deck. We don't remember what order they're in necessarily because something that was pointed out to me, I thought this was a funny anecdote, was we are out of our minds when we are on that stage presenting in front of people. We literally cannot keep time and all of our talking points and 
remember everything right to say and and to make the eye contact and the body language and how to stand and what to do with our hands and how to engage the people. We can't do it all. And so you need those cues to pull it back into focus. And I think that that is it's fine if they are reading the same word as you say it. Sustainability. Okay, let's talk about sustainability next. Right. And if you get off, if you get off topic, just be honest and say, "Oh, I'm getting off topic here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back onto my outline." And and that is okay. Like you do not look like a stupid idiot when you do right, that. Right, right, right. And you know, and <clears throat> and that was a point that he made. Is like you may start to tell a story and you may wander a little bit, but then realize that it and snap back to you know getting back on topic and say it. Say, and oh, say I, it. oh, I'm I'm off on a on a rabbit trail here. Let let me get back onto onto right. the right. And then they're the just outline. like, oh, you know. And, and then they're like, you know, because okay, honestly, so they're thinking this- the same thing. <laughs> and they're right? like, oh, you're He's- a real person. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But that helps. That helps you. That helps bring you in and 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 helps. Uh, uh, what did you say? Uh, to, um, you just refocus it, right? Well, no, but it, it touches you. It brings you into that story, right? Yeah, that right. Telling, it engages right? you. And engage. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. But then, as as Evan was just saying, is it 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 makes you actually both of you just said it makes you a little bit more human. It they're like, oh, you know, I kind of have those same problems. Sometimes I wander on my conversation, you know. But it, it endears you to them a little bit more. You know, they they now say they connect with you a little bit more. It's like, oh yeah, I've got I've had those problems before, you know, and. It's just it's uh, a better way to kind of engage yeah. as kind so, of making it real. So Cormac, I, uh, did he mention practicing in front of a mirror or anything like oh, that? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, and actually, let me give this real quick shout out to one of our big listeners and also one of our uh, great friends of the show, Rosa, because he started talking about power posing. Oh, nice. okay. And yeah. He actually said that he had given presentations where he's seen presenters. Both then they did a study that people who give presentations and they just you know kind of relax before seem to go into it a little less confident. Those than people who just stop just for two minutes. Maybe it's in the stall of a bathroom or it's somewhere you know out of the way of view of people that they just for two minutes just kind of power pose and just do their little superhero pose and just kind of amp themselves up and feel a little bit more empowered with themselves that they go out there and they do a, you know, a much better, more confident. Better. Yeah. Yes. Right. And they said that there's, there's been studies on that. And you know, so, what, you know what I do sometimes when I'm uh, going into that, hear this. Oh, come on. It's a family <laughs> show. No, before like going into a meeting like that or something like that, I, I listen, I like to, as I'm like going into the car, as I drive to my meeting, right, to the planning commission meeting, if I know I've got a, a big project and, and uh, very controversial, 100 people in the audience and it's going to be a big mess or a presentation like this, right, or an interview or something like that, I like to listen to uh, music to get me in the right frame of mind or that pumped up. That Eye of the Tiger? Series. No. You know what I like to listen to? <laughs> Eminem's uh, Lose, Lose Yourself. I think that's what the title is. Lose Yourself, the song uh, from, the, from the movie. Yeah. I love that song. It's you just, listen to Journey. Nice try. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, but not that. No, not for that reason. No, but that it's just a song that makes me think about uh, the, the story of the movie, of course, and then just like, 
it, it's just it's your you you're practicing you're you're I don't know it just gets me amped up and and focused. Yeah, you got to find that thing that works for you, right? Yeah, and it does, and that's that's just what I do. Uh, I like to do that, but uh, other people probably, if you've got your own song or your own thing, let us know. You know, tweet us, uh, leave comments on our Facebook page. Uh, let us know what you what you do to get yourself focused and amped up, or if it's the power pose, uh, let us know. I think something else that helps too, besides practicing in the mirror, is record yourself, either video or audio. Yeah, there's people that I know who, when you're just talking to them, they talk like a normal person. And then when they get in front of people, they talk like the smartest person in the world. And it is two completely different people. But when that happens, they don't even realize it's happening. And it's because (laughs) they don't record themselves and listen back and realize the words that they're using. And and it was funny because our presentation coach, we had somebody like that on our team. And she was like, who talks like that? (laughs) <laughs> Nobody talks like that. Stop using those words. Those are crazy words. Nobody uses those. And, and you know, there are people who do that when they get in front of other people. And they and they it's just, it becomes habit at some point. And it's so much so that they don't even realize they're doing it. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you actually take it really seriously and record yourself. I mean, this is what pro athletes do, right? This is how you develop a golf swing or learn to swing a bat or any of those things you have to watch the mechanics behind it and it's the same thing when you're when you're speaking and you're you have body language and you have to think about all of these different things the only way you're going to get where you need to be is to practice 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 and the only way you're going to know what you need to fix is to actually see what you're doing all right one last thought yeah and it goes back to that whole pen trick and the whole, you know, your brain can only focus on one thing. He told a real quick story about, you know, basically stage fright and how typically, you know, so we've got the, uh, you know, the uh, prehistoric portion of our brain, the amygdala. And, you know, usually that's what kind of has the out of control emotions. You know, it's the, it's what kind of like controls you and kind of gets you like all nervous and everything else. And then, you know, you've got your frontal lobe that is your thinking brain. And so since you can really only focus on one thing, what he was saying is that you kind of need to read, you know, you've got to take control from the amygdala and take control real quickly so that your thinking brain can kind of take over and it kind of helps you calm yourself. And he says one of the easiest ways to do that was, is to acknowledge some of the emotions that you're feeling. You know, not out loud, you know, so just think to yourself, you know, you, oh, I'm, you know, really nervous. Well, say to yourself, oh, I'm really nervous. What that does is it gives that just that real quick break in your emotions to let your thinking brain take back over. And it kind of helps calm you into getting kind of away from that kind of stage fright. And, you know, so I was telling a parent at the um, at my son's soccer game this past Saturday because I know that he's a neuroscientist. And he's like, that's exactly it. He goes, you know, the, the problem is, is that so many times people get angry and upset and all this other stuff. Well, it's your amygdala that's kind of like controlling you. And it's those people who can stop, take that deep breath, and just kind of regain focus that typically are the most effective speakers and stuff. He goes, you would see, it's amazing how little people actually know that there's real science behind stage fright 
and um, you know, I told him about the pen, you know, the pen idea, and he goes, you know what, that's amazing because that's really it. You really can only think of one thing at a time. <laughs> as yeah, many, as much as we want to think that we're these multitaskers, you really can't only effectively focus on one thing. And the one thing that I want to focus on is wrapping it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I think I can take us out with that. Uh, <laughs> if you have questions or comments, visit the website at arcuspeakpodcast.com. There you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcuspeak Podcast Facebook page. So you too can join in on this conversation. And if you have uh, any interesting tips or things you want to share concerning uh, presentation skills, give us a call at the Arcuspeak Podcast line at 415 484 Eight four nine six. I want to hear uh, presentation horror stories. Oh, ooh, yeah, that's good. I would too. love to hear like how wrong it can possibly go. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be fun. Oh yeah, I, I want to see. Yeah, uh, that's come. the challenge. That's the challenge for this episode. We want to hear from you guys. I mean, we have we keep talking about it. Four one five four eight four eight four nine six and share those things. Uh, so, and also too, um, I think that's it actually. No. (laughs) And also, and also, and I don't know. That's when come, come back to me. Cormac does the, or uh, Evan will do the screech of the record and the show's over. All right, everyone stay subscribed and thanks for listening. Good night. Night. Oh, you